Welcome to Peak 40, the podcast that brings you the tips, tactics, and stories for living your best life in midlife. If you're in your mid-30s to 50s, Peak 40 is the place to get actionable advice on the nuances of nutrition, training, recovery, and mindset in midlife. For the full experience and other valuable resources, register for the Peak 40 weekly newsletter at drbubs.com forward slash peak 40. Enhance your lifestyle and start making midlife your best life. Welcome back or welcome to the Peak 40 podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bubbs. And today I've got expert immunologist, lecturer at Sussex University and author of Immunity, the Science of Staying Well, Dr. Jenna Makoki. Dr. Jenna specializes in understanding how nutrition and lifestyle interact with the immune system in your health and with disease. With over 20 years experience, she is on a mission to break down the science behind our health and share the secrets of how to be well for good. A lot of great tips and insights here from Dr. Jenna in today's episode, so definitely get your pen and paper ready. Before we get started, a quick shout out to Jameson, who are sponsoring today's show. Getting a cold or flu can keep you from performing your best on the field, at the office, or with your family. And keeping your immune system in tip-top shape is definitely very important this time of year, as you'll hear with evidence-based strategies in today's episode with Dr. Jenna. Jameson offers multiple solutions to support your immune system. I'm a fan of Jameson's Cold Fighter. It's a powerhouse when it comes to getting you feeling better, sooner after catching a cold. When taken on the first signs of cold or flu, Cold Fighter can help relieve the symptoms and decrease time spent being sick. It has infection-fighting nutrients like zinc and echinacea, potent antioxidants like vitamin C and throat-soothing ginger. Let's face it, no one wants to be sick before, during, or even after the holidays. Jameson offers a variety of immune-supporting solutions. And for listeners of the Peak 40 podcast, you can go to jamesonvitamins.com, use the promo code BUBS, and claim 10% off your order. That's jamesonvitamins.com, use the promo code BUBS, and claim 10% off your order this winter. Fantastic. Let's get rolling my conversation with Dr. Jenna. I guess to get everybody on the same page in terms of the immune system, maybe you could give us, again, a little background on what innate versus adaptive immune systems are and what they're doing for us. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, we often talk about the immune system like it's one thing that we want to switch on and off, like a binary uh, switch, but actually it's not really one thing. It, you know, I, I teach to undergraduates at the local university where I live, and we teach that it's not just the white blood cells that are swimming around in your blood but it's also the body barriers that are part of your immune system. So that includes your skin, your respiratory tract, the genital urinary tract, the digestive tract. All of these surfaces are in contact with our environment. So that represents the kind of first point of call with potential infection or damage or injury. So those are parts of our immune system too. And on those surfaces live our microbiota. So the collection of microbes that live on us and in us and, and as an immunologist, we consider those part of our immune defenses. They keep these barrier areas strong. And that's kind of the first part of what we call the innate immune system, which is this first line defense. Underneath these barrier surfaces, you have lots of innate immune cells. So these are white blood cells that are very much first line defense. Anything that penetrates those barriers tries to infect those barriers. These cells are waiting, they're gonna raise a red flag, call for backup, start off that inflammation process to, to deal with that threat. 
And then we have the more specific adaptive immune system, which is comprised of our T and B cells. These are recirculating around your body all the time. They're sort of performing a surveillance function. Um, and when the innate immune system is activated, they will take that signal of whatever the threat is. They will transmit it to the local lymph node. And we have lymph nodes all over our body. These are little hubs of immune activity. And here they will try and find the T or B cell that recognizes that specific uh, germ or threat. We call it an antigen. So the sort of molecular pattern on that microbe. Uh, and it's kind of like a lock and key that will switch on the T cells. They start to build an army of themselves and they're very, very specific. So that T cell response, that B cell response of the adaptive immune system, that's really specific for that particular germ that's infected you at that point. Um, and normally the innate immune system will deal with things, but sometimes it's not enough. So they have to call on this T and B cell response from the adaptive immune system. And that, uh, the sort of unique a feature of the adaptive immune system is the fact that it can remember germs. We'll keep small populations of these, what we call memory T and B cells for, for decades. Uh, and they can then mount a, a more effective and quicker response the next time you encounter that germ. Yeah, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, to have the, the first line of defense, the sort of soldiers manning the wall, if you will, being able to protect yeah. us from all the, you know, as we get into fall, the, the seasonal colds and flus, which exactly. might come back a little bit more this year, we'll, we'll touch yeah. on. And then, yeah, the idea of memory is, is incredible, isn't it? I mean, to be, to have the chicken pox when you're young and then years later being able to mount an immune response to have this memory to it is, is tremendous. Now, in terms of the immune system, though, there are a lot of myths that, that circulate online and yeah. on social media. And, and wanted to pick your brain on what are some of the common ones that you, you hear? Yeah, so I um, probably hear a lot about uh, how we can boost our immune system. Uh, and I, I kind of get in trouble if I was to ever use the word boost by my colleagues, because, you know, scientifically, there's no way that you can boost your immune system, except for maybe giving a booster shot to boost the response to a particular vaccine, for example, that would be kind of the only correct way to use that term. Um, and I do think that the immune system is about balance because as much as we, you know, we want to, to turn it on and, and mount an immune response when there's a threat that needs dealing with, we have a lot of our immune system that's designed to turn it off again. So half of the immune system is turning off the other half because if you let it run free uh, and that inflammation is going wild uh, or the immune response is overshooting then you risk damaging your own tissues because immune responses are inherently quite violent because they're trying to get rid of bacteria or viruses or parasites so um, it's really about balance um, I think there's also a lot of emphasis put on the role of diet and lifestyle. And I'm sure we'll get into some yeah. of those ways that we can care for our immune system through that. But I think that, you know, there's lots of things we cannot control about our immune response. Um, and I think we need to remember that there's a sort of limit to what we can influence. Um, what are some of the other well, I was going to say, even Maybe. just touching on that idea of signaling that the immune system is so key, because yeah, it's yeah. almost... Sometimes the analogy I use with clients is like, it's nice to have the green lights, the traffic signals on the way into work and you know, get there real quick. But yeah. if we made all the lights green, then <laughs> it would be a disaster yes. because everyone would be running into exactly. each other. You know, we need to have the appropriate amount of signaling to get the job yeah. done. And uh, to your point, we obviously things like exercise help, which we'll talk about and then, um, mm -hmm. you know, nutrition, but up to a certain point. And yeah, any other myths that come 
come to mind? Uh, that you catch a cold by being cold. <laughs> which going into winter or uh, many of us might remember our parents saying if you go outside with wet hair in the winter um, and you can only catch a cold by coming in contact with the cold virus whether you're cold or not in some ways getting cold might be actually quite good for your immune system like a lot of people where I live in Brighton jump in the sea in winter yeah. um, and this is associated with better immune response so um, well, it's good to know because yeah. growing up in Canada that was always the one you know <laughs> watch oh, you don't really? get too cold you don't get too cold <laughs> so good to know on that side front and well listen as we dovetail into this fall and winter season we've obviously come off the pandemic and We've seen throughout the pandemic that unfortunately people who are more overweight or struggling with metabolic health, um, their immunity is, is, is not to the same degree as someone else necessarily. And of course, there are genetic components, which we'll touch on. Can you talk a little bit about those factors of, of what influences us when we're not in our best health or if we're holding on to too much weight or there's more central adiposity? How does that all impact our immune system? Yeah, I think this is a really fascinating area. And um, particularly an area that's been growing, we have the, the sort of immunometabolism, it's called, which is the study of, of how our metabolic health is interlinked to our immune health. And I think it kind of makes sense because, um, you know, when you have a fever, we see that your resting metabolic rate will increase by 10% for every one degree rise in temperature that your body goes under. And that's telling us that things that your immune system are producing when they're fighting an infection to cause the fever are, are directly impacting your me metabolism. So we know that there's this very clear link between the immune system and, and the metabolic um, rate of your body. So it kind of makes sense because you have to fuel that immune response. So if we look at these sort of features of metabolism, we now know that both muscle and fat are immunologically active tissues. So we used to kind of think that fat was just a, a storage tissue. So it's where you're putting Nerds your just, just there. Uh, <laughs> energy. Yeah, it's in there. It's just there. But it's actually home to a lot of immune cells. It's producing things that can influence the overall balance of the immune system, so-called adipokines. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on how much and what type of fat you have on your body, it can have quite a dramatic influence in this immune balance that we mentioned, the sort of balance between switching it on and switching it off. And obviously when we're healthy and well and we're not dealing with an infection, we want to have our immune response switched off um, so that we can reserve it for when we do need to fight an infection. So if we have uh, a, a situation where we're cons over consuming calories, we're having to stuff that energy somewhere and it goes into our fat cells. Um, this is obviously simplifying yeah, it quite no, dramatically, right. <laughs> but you know, we have, um, there's a theory that we have a sort of certain number of fat cells in our body. Mm -hmm. And so when you have an excess of calories, you're stuffing it into your fat cells and they're getting bigger and getting a bit stressed. Um, and they're giving out these inflammatory signals, this kind of uh, these adipokines, which is raising the baseline of inflammation in your body. Inflammation is quite damaging to tissues because it's meant as a sort of weapon against um, any threats to our body. And so having this raised baseline inflammation is something that we see in people who are carrying um, a higher amount of body fat, particularly the visceral adiposity, the, the, the fat around the middle. Mm -hmm. And around the organs um, 
And on the other side of that, you have muscle mass, which is um, kind of countering the, the, the unwanted inflammation. So um, having a degree of muscle mass is more of an anti-inflammatory. It's also helping your body deal with things like glucose effectively. Um, and we know that having a good uh, blood sugar regulation is also really important for the immune system. If you have sugar hanging out in your blood for too long, this can sort of deregulate the function of your immune cells and cause them to go to go a bit awry. So it's all kind of um, in the in your sort of body composition. And I know we we often use BMI as an easy metric to, to look at people's weight, but I think the composition of your body is probably much more telling yeah. to your immune health. So um, what is the, the fat mass and what is the muscle mass that a person has and using that as a guide to then make improvements. I mean, it's a great conversation to be having, obviously, to, to obviously on the immune front, but also to shift the conversation away from, it always becomes an aesthetics conversation when we talk about body composition. It becomes where we're losing weight to look good for holiday or because someone's getting married or because we have a, whatever it might be. Exactly. But this, yeah. this conversation around these, you know, the adipokines, the, the inflammation, this chronic inflammation that they're creating. And, and to your point, as we, as that noise, that inflammatory noise starts to raise up in the body, then we're drowning out some of those key signals that the immune system's trying to make. And now we're not able to, uh, you know, fight exactly. off infections as well, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, just having that raised level of inflammation in the body, it, it's uh, that's having a, an impact on your metabolism because we know that this, the, the signaling molecules involved in inflammation are, are, are affecting your metabolism. Like when you get a fever, you have this direct effect. So there's all this kind of negative feedback going on. Um, we know that having a higher amount of body fat is preventing the production of sort of fresh new immune cells from your bone marrow. And these are going to replace the, the older, more defunct ones. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of keeping your immune system young, if you like, the sort of rejuvenation. Um, we know that exercise is a way to sort of kill off the old cells that are on their way out to make space for the new ones. So that's why, you know, you need to have this sort of good body composition and be moving your body. We know that uh, people who have a higher body weight uh, have a reduced um uh, a response to infection, a reduced response to vaccines, and it raises risks for other uh, non-infectious inflammatory diseases. So type 2 diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, um, and it can exacerbate other conditions that people might be suffering from, allergies, autoimmune diseases. So it's really kind of uh, you know, underscoring a lot of the, the health issues that we see um, in public health at the moment, this uh, careful balance of the immune system that's so easily knocked out by, you know, shifts in, in what, how much we're eating and how much we're moving and ensuring that we, you know, before we get into all the details of what to eat for your immune system, just are you over consuming calories mm. and are you spending a lot of time being sedentary um even if you're physically active and you go to the gym but if you spend eight hours a day sitting that's a sort of separate risk factor in itself for um poor metabolic health i mean i like the comment that you make there around keeping your immune system young i feel like that's a really nice way to put it for people and um you know that idea of movement and exercise being able to clear these cells because obviously yeah. you know we hear a lot about fasting but we can almost go so far down that road of fasting that it becomes we almost forget about exercise can just if we can keep a certain level of fitness we can do a lot of that get a lot of that benefit and exactly. um i imagine that yeah. you you know 
during the, the lockdown, we obviously had what 18 months where it didn't seem like we had enough messaging, maybe from you know, government and other yeah. institutions to say, hey, let's let's eat a certain way or let's try to move a little bit more. All these things, you know, to the messages that you're saying here actually have a really powerful, yeah. powerful impact on our immune system. I know. I, I think it's real a real shame. And I think in some ways that has sort of fueled the divide that we see yeah. with um, how people have responded to the COVID pandemic. And you have some people who are it's all, all about diet and exercise. And then some people are like, I've got the vaccine, it's enough. Um, and it's a real shame that it's like that because um, there's a, a place for all of these in our overall health picture, vaccines have their place. So does diet and exercise. And, you know, particularly your comment to immune aging, you know, um, that is the single biggest risk factor for um, a more severe outcome with COVID. And what I find mind blowing is that, you, you know, your chronological age doesn't necessarily match your immunological age. Wow. Um, and there's these beautiful studies done by Professor Janet Lord at University of Birmingham, where they looked at um, um, the thymus gland, which is a gland in the neck that's responsible for producing T cells. I kind of think of the T cells as kind of the master controllers of the immune system. They can turn into many different flavors. They can be regulators of the immune system. Um, and as we get older, our thymus gland starts to shrink mm -hmm. um, and its output of fresh new T cells will decrease. So how quickly that shrinking happens depends on how physically active you are. So they compared sedentary 20 somethings with um, very active 70 and 80 somethings. So these were cyclists and, uh, and older people who had been consistently physically active through their life. And what they found is that, that, that they maintained so much more muscle mass that the older athletes or recreational athletes uh, and the, moving their muscles regularly produced what they call myokines. So these cytokines signaling molecules from the muscles that rejuvenated the thymus gland and kept it young, wow. kept the thymic output up. And it was that uh, their immune system was vastly improved compared to the sedentary 20 somethings who were not um, working those muscles and, and keeping that muscle mass. And, and going back to your point about, you know, losing weight for aesthetics, I, as you know, a woman in my 40s I think we I grew up in that era of like you, you work out to burn calories to look a certain way and and I see a lot of women in, in my age bracket who are just cardio 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 it's like burning off the calories um and I just think no let's let's do the resistance training you know in the government guidance in the UK we should be doing two rounds of resistance training per week and that just means like putting resistance on your muscles and 100%. you know I think that's maybe changing now for younger generations but people are scared of lifting weights women of you know uh certain age groups I think they've never done it and it's uh intimidating it's, um yeah intimidating they don't know what to do going into a gym and and it doesn't necessarily have to be weightlifting but you you have to look after your muscle mass as you age you know sarcopenia which is the sort of shrinking of muscles is accelerating every decade that we get older and if you don't use it you lose it effectively and now we know that's so key to underpinning keeping our immune system young there's even more reason that we want to look after that Tremendous. Well, I mean, we've talked all about the exercise component and obviously aerobic fitness and importance of muscle mass and maintaining body composition and how these things aren't just aesthetics. This is really key for our immune system. Let's now 
you know, pivot and talk about nutrition for immunity? You know, what are some of the main yeah. foods that, that we should be thinking about as we move into fall? Whether it's- exactly. I think this is probably where I have like a real personal passion. So it's something that I've personally been uh, interested in and it's reflected in sort of my professional area. So as much as, you know, we've discussed things like vaccines and things we can't control I do think nutrition plays a huge role um there's a few things I think are important to sort of say before you get into the sort of real details Mm -hmm. um I think having a good relationship with food is so important because food is so much more than nutrition it's cultural it's social and it it, it family friends laughing all that good stuff it supports our our mental well-being because um it can be you know just nostalgia meeting with friends um but we can use it as a coping mechanism and i think that if food is your only coping mechanism you need to have other coping mechanisms in place you need to develop those that repertoire exactly um and the other thing is that you know i've been sort of through my own personal interest, what is the perfect diet for the immune system? Um, and I think that there is no perfect. There is that your overall dietary pattern trumps uh, a focus on individual nutrients all the time. You know, for a long time, the field of immunology was just looking at vitamin C, zinc, you know, these individual micronutrients. And it was, to me, it's kind of boring and outdated. I just think diet pattern is more important what are you eating across the weeks and months habitually are you hitting all those uh key targets for micronutrients so you don't want to be deficient in any essential vitamin or mineral not just vitamin c or zinc but vitamin a vitamin d vitamin e k zinc selenium iron any deficiency in those will affect your immune function and generally apart from vitamin d we can get those from eating a a varied um, and healthy balanced dietary pattern if you're excluding specific food groups then you may need targeted supplementation if you're suffering with a specific condition then you may need targeted supplementation but i i'm kind of like the supplements are there to supplement gaps in your diet not to replace it like my husband will be like oh i'm taking a multivitamin today because yesterday (laughs) i ate really badly insurance policy come in (laughs) exactly it's like it doesn't quite work like that because food has something that we cannot really get in supplements that is so important for our immune system. And that is the, the, the phytonutrients, these mm-hmm. plant compounds that are found in, in, in plant foods that um, have antioxidant potential, antimicrobial potential, the um, are kind of longevity nutrients. They keep our immune system young. They turn on um, genes involved in, in longevity. They turn off unwanted inflammation. You know, you're talking polyphenols, um, things like curcumin, um, resveratrol, uh, you know, the ones that are very well studied. Turns out there's, you know, almost 30,000 different phytonutrients that have been identified. They're working synergistically. Um, there's lots of attempts to put them into um yeah but (laughs) those 200 compounds from ginger into one (laughs) exactly and um, a friend of mine who works in the u.s was was involved in testing different supplements to look at the the activity of the phytonutrients inside and and it turns out that this varies hugely on the market so you might be spending a lot of money and you're not getting uh what you think is in there because it's quite hard to encapsulate that 
what nature yeah. is put together often it's it's the chewing or the eating with other foods or the consumption with other foods that it's having that synergistic effect and making um chemical reactions that make these things bioavailable so i think that you know you cannot rely on getting that from a supplement there's nothing quite like getting it from food and yeah. food is conveniently packaged with fiber um, and fiber is feeding the microbes in your gut that's their preferred food so eat eat for your gut bugs because mm -hmm. they're the kind of key educators and trainers of your immune system so this is happening right from birth when we begin to be colonized with these microbes um, and there's you know over 70 percent of your immune system along along the gut and it's kind of a real area of immune tolerance so training your immune system not to respond to things um, unnecessarily so preventing allergies um, inflammatory diseases uh, and, and controlling how well we respond to infections without overshooting hey friends a quick note to let you know enrollment for the 2023 peak 40 coaching program is now open if you're ready for change in 2023 better mood better heart health better sleep weight loss you can take some inspiration from 54 year old architect lyle in this short clip. I was telling a friend like, uh, you know, I, I just started trying to do something to do with my mood and sleep habits and as a benefit of lost weight, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which is a good thing. Everybody's saying like, man, you're so trendy now. So, uh, and the other thing that was a huge, um, and I'm monitoring it still is the, my cholesterol level. I remember I sent my, so all of my markers were back to normal quite quite quickly but uh, yeah it was it was uh, it was really amazing um it, you know I'm, I'm probably now at 195 i'm down probably 40 pounds compared to three years ago which i didn't realize <laughs> i didn't realize as you can see making small changes the right small changes is all you need to level up your health and energy in the new year Reserve your spot now for the January 2023 Peak 40 Coaching Program. That's nutrition, training, lifestyle program. And save $100 off the cost of the 12-week course with the promo code 2023 at checkout. If you're interested in more support, we have a new 12-month coaching program. And you can save 50% off that entire course with the code XMAS2022. That's XMAS2022. Just head over to drbubs.com forward slash peak 40 or email carly at drbubs.com for more info. All right, let's get back to the conversation. And that's a really interesting area too, isn't it? When kids, because we've seen studies with like kids who are in more rural children who are exposed to dirt and farms and things, and then the less overactivation they might have versus sometimes in the, in the urban environments, those rates might be a little higher of, of immune exactly. overactivation. Yeah, I mean, if you consider we're sort of relatively sterile in utero, and then when we come out, we, we get exposed to whatever's in our environment. Um, breast milk uh, contains certain fibers that are, are, are designed not to feed the baby. And it did confuse scientists for a long time, like these human milk oligosaccharides. What, why What's are they going on? <laughs> The baby's not getting any nutrition from these, but they're cultivating the right types of microbes in the gut. It's like a fertilizer. So um, it, it's providing the food to really cultivate this diverse gut microbiome that we need. Um, and then uh, as we 
you know, start eating, that's also having an effect on our microbiome exposure. And going back to your point with um, the, the rural kids versus the city kids, I think this was back in the 80s with um, this chap called Strachan, who's famous for um, the hygiene hypothesis, mm -hmm. which has kind of been replaced uh, and, and updated with the biodiversity hypothesis, because I think hygiene hypothesis makes us think that we have to be really um, hygienic and it, it's 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 dirt is good mm -hmm. it's not about infections it, it, hygiene is important washing your hands after the bathroom when before you eat food it's more about the biodiversity in your environment that is important and if we um, reduce that through over sanitizing um, not getting enough exposure to green uh, environments then we're not giving our immune system those inputs from those good bacteria because mm. if you consider everything that you touch and breathe is filled with bacteria you want to be in the environments with the good ones which is generally the green natural environment so you can breathe and nurture your gut microbiome which i think is something that's not really uh, appreciated it's definitely not and i'm going to circle back to this as we get to the end because some interesting comments that i've heard you make about that as well um but coming back to food and if we look at different colors of food and is this something that we should be mm -hmm. thinking about like the obviously the orange colors we're thinking beta carotene vitamin a what are some of the foods that you like to have on your plate or your client's plate as you get into oh yes definitely so the orange uh or yeah like you say the beta carotene the vitamin a it's known as the anti-infective vitamin um and you can also get it from animal foods so liver is like a really rich mm -hmm. source of of the sort of active form of vitamin a and you but can hide those... the liver really well in like ground beef exactly. and <laughs> chilies bolognese okay yeah i do this a lot with with my kids I'm sure you're here all the time. told them that uh, that they're eating liver um but the you know coming into autumn we get loads of the seasonal produce and there's actually some evidence that eating seasonally whether you live somewhere like the uk where we are or whether you live in the country where you have a rainy and a dry season that the produce that's growing at that time supports your immune system for the type of infections that are associated with those conditions in the colder seasons, we get more of these respiratory viruses because they like the cooler uh, climate. So all the, the reds and oranges, um, get those into your diet, make some really hearty curries, stews, these sorts of things, combine them with things like lentils. Um, you know, I, I um, if people do eat meat, why not take away half the meat and put in a plant-based protein source because that's bringing in fiber, the animal Based protein sources bringing in other key nutrients like B12. Um, leafy greens is my, my personal favorite because I think generally we're not eating enough of them. And they have these sulfur rich compounds in them, which are really important for, for again, these longevity um, gene patterns that we want to switch on, um, really important for immune regulation and providing so many uh, of these sort of key phytonutrients that uh, are really good for the overall balance of the immune system. Um, so yeah, I, I think getting enough protein is actually quite important. Protein energy malnutrition is probably the biggest um, factor causing immune deficiency worldwide. I think here in the UK, we, um, we have access to, to plenty of different protein sources, but, um, I speak to many people who've sort of reduced meat consumption and haven't maybe brought in um, the, those plant-rich protein sources to replace them. And again, going back to what we said about getting older and maintaining muscle mass, 
having that um, pool of those amino acids, those building blocks from dietary protein is really important to help your body sort of hang on to that muscle mass too. 100%. What about some of the ancestral things, you know, when we think of chicken soup, you know, from a, oh, yes, from a science yeah. standpoint, I mean, the soups, um, you know, we feel like they're reducing congestion, we're bringing on board yeah. some nutrients, where, but where are we at in terms of yeah. is the placebo effect enough? I mean, I like the placebo effect. I'll take any effect yeah. I can get. Me too. I'm a fan of the placebo effect. If it's feeling good, um, you know, particularly in winter, we want to have a bit of agency over our health. So sometimes it can make us feel like we're being proactive, which can then make us feel better. Uh, uh, and that's, you know, that access between the brain and the immune system is very real. Um, but yeah, chicken soup has L-carnosine, which is coming from the, the chicken stock. And this has been shown to actually help these white blood cells move into the location where they're needed. So if you have a respiratory infection to get in there, help with um, uh, uh, dealing with that infection. Plus it's hydrating, it's comforting. You can add all those lovely um, orange veggies in there and you can add loads of leafy greens in there. Um, and the heat and the steam can help relieve some of that um, mucus and nasal congestion to get things flowing. And, and it's kind of like a hug in a mug. You feel better having it. So, so yeah, there's definitely science behind the yes. chicken soup idea. Let's keep those <laughs> stews and soups going for the fall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and if we just touch on supplementation, I mean, if we are, if we feel like we're coming down with something versus acutely sick, are there different strategies there or perhaps some go-tos that yeah. you like to use? Well, I, I guess I, I like to focus on the diet pattern and the kind of food first approach yep. um, as your baseline. Um, the one thing I didn't mention was vitamin D, which if you live somewhere like the UK in the winter, you're not probably going to get enough from sun. Sunlight has many other benefits on the immune system. So getting outdoors is important, getting mm -hmm. in the fresh air. But um, it is advisable to either have your vitamin D levels checked or start supplementing in October until uh, April. If you're someone who's indoors a lot, has darker skin or is older, you might want to be supplementing all year round. Yep. Um, and then when you do get sick, I kind of like to keep my little, um, uh, you know, cupboard in the kitchen with some things that I can pull out to make me feel better quicker. Um, what I don't do is take all the over-the-counter uh, medicines from the pharmacy because generally they, they might make you feel better and you can go to work and you can function, but they're suppressing the immune system in order to make you feel better. So um, that might be something that you want to do if you really have to be at work or you've got a big deadline, but actually the best thing you can do is just stop and take a day to rest because having one or two days to recover will get you back on your feet quicker than just trying to show up to work. And we have that sort of culture of presenteeism where we wanna go to work, um, uh, show that we're there, even though we've got this cold and we're sneezing everywhere and we're spreading our germs on the bus on our commute to our colleagues. If there's, so one, if there's one thing COVID's taught us is that people aren't, People aren't a fan of that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> it's definitely uh, given that whole coughs and sneezes, spread diseases, a revamp, like, yeah. yes, stay away, stay home. Um, and then I have, you know, um, the things that I would pull out when I was feeling sick, um, things like zinc uh, and zinc ionophores. So mm -hmm. this would be quercetin, yep. which is the compound found in plants, which helps zinc get into the cells and do its best. So if you combine those two, there's some evidence that that can help your immune system because your requirement for zinc goes up quite a lot. Yep. 
Um, vitamin C, there's a little bit of evidence that might shorten the duration of infection if you get sick. Um, I like to take it with the bioflavonoids. So these are these phytonutrients found in citrus plants. You can get supplements where they sort of combine it um, or just having lots of citrus um, fruits uh, around the time you get sick. Um, making sure you um, have your chicken soup or something where you've got a protein source because um, you might not feel much like eating, but the protein's probably the one to prioritize because that's giving the building blocks to um, all those antibodies and cells that your body's producing. And if you're sick for quite a long time, you want to try and hang on to that muscle mass. So it's important to prioritize protein. Um, then there's uh, garlic, ginger, turmeric, you know, these are all really great. Lots of antimicrobial properties, anti-inflammatory properties. Lactoferrin is something that there's a bit of um, buzz about at the moment. Um, so it's a protein that we make naturally uh, and it's secreted on those body barriers like in, in the mouth and the airways uh, and it's antimicrobial. It's also enriched in breast milk. And now they found a way to extract this from various sources and put it into a supplement so you can it's suck on a lozenge that has lactoferrin um, which will help sort of coat the throat and, and create that sort of antimicrobial environment um yeah so i, I guess there's lots of good solutions there so to get the medicine cabinet ready to be able to yeah. have those things on on hand that you can yeah that you can use if you are feeling run down or you're catching a cold and then all the things yeah. you mentioned around the herbs and spices that we can use in soups and stews and smoothies sure. um, and yeah. getting those foods in is so key but i wanted to come back to as well as we as we wrap up here um the mental side of things like yes. with covid we yeah. talked about covid and lockdown and even just you know, for myself coming down to an area where you can see out for, for quite a ways, you know, over, over the water, you're getting outdoor into nature. Yeah. Again, this, it feels like almost it's a, a placebo effect of just being able to feel better, but you all of a sudden feel more robust. You know, what is this impact of even just getting outside into nature having on our immune system? Yeah, I think it's so multifaceted and so just awe-inspiring because you know as I mentioned there's the microbiome element you're breathing your biome the natural environment is full of good bugs that we want to colonize to inhale to to have exposure to um, there's also the, the sort of uh, the link between our 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 um, stress chemistry and being in the outdoors you know when we're sitting at our desk we're very stressed we've got this kind of laser focus our eyes have got this very narrow gaze um, and then you get up and you go for a walk and you have a, a more um, panoramic gaze your the muscles around your eyes are relaxing it's sending that signal to your brain that you're relaxed you're in a safe environment um, and that in itself um, calms any of this uh, sympathetic nervous system activity, the stress chemistry, which we know can dampen our immune responses. And so many of us have these lives that are full of little stressors um, and then big, bigger stressors like COVID, job security, you know, this kind of thing. That I've we've... got three little stressors at home. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. You know, we all need to, we live in a, a society where, um, there's so much so many layers of stress that we might not even be aware of that sort of grinding us down that we need to take those opportunities and, and being in green space has been shown to calm the the stress chemistry in our body um there's also things that that are produced by trees by plants so these aromatic compounds phytoncides which there are some beautiful studies in japan around the sort of forest bathing idea that when we breathe them in 
um, this triggers uh, pathways in our body that, that nurture the activity and the function of natural killer cells. These are a type wow. of immune cell involved in antiviral responses. And they're also our anti-cancer defense. So the sort of first line cancer defense. Um, and they show that this is uh, by these compounds and they put people in rooms and then they give them the smell and the room, they can get a similar benefit. So it's not just about being in nature, but it's actually sort of being drilled down to the, these aromatic compounds from trees. Um, so I just think, you know, combining things like movement by getting out for a walk in nature that can just make such a difference to your day if you're having a really intense day if your job is quite sedentary um you know and it's nurturing your well-being on all different levels yeah i mean it's tremendous to think that just getting outside into nature or getting stress response we're getting these compounds that you're talking about with just being exposed to nature and so you know yeah. as best you can even if you're in an urban environment try to find that local yeah. park or an area that you can you can exactly. do these things it is having just a profound effect uh, nervous system immune system all these things and exactly you know the, the last note here is just on this idea we're talking about mindset and emotions and pandemic and immune system you know how does how do things like self-compassion even connect with the immune system right how is that something that we should be thinking about even coming off of COVID and as we move into fall that can actually help us in a number of ways Oh, that's so important. And it's something I'm quite passionate about, probably because it wasn't something I was ever really formally taught as a child, but I think it would have been very useful to me. And I wish it is taught in schools now. But this idea of, of self-compassion, which is, um, you know, showing yourself kindness, doing things mindfully for yourself. Um, it, there's actually a body of literature looking at uh, changes in immune function when people are taught sort of self-compassion techniques where they see improvements in how well their immune system is in getting rid of unwanted uh, inflammation um, just by uh, the sort of nurturing self-compassion and I think you know um, as a busy working parent it's there's lots of things to feel bad about to feel guilty about to feel like not good enough about social media gives us that direct comparison second by second with with people um everyone's in, highlight with, reel <laughs> exactly you know uh, and that compare you, you you're more likely to compare up and say oh i don't have the same uh, level of lifestyle as that person or I'm not eating this amazing uh, clean diet that that person's eating and and just showing yourself some self-compassion is um, you know good for your mental health but it's also really good for your immunological health and I think it gives you a good subjective sense of well-being uh, and we know from the literature that um, if you have a sub good subjective sense of your own well-being so um, that's kind of just a good sense of feeling feeling good even if you have a chronic condition or some awful diagnosis you have a much better chance of recovery of healing um, you're better protected against developing chronic diseases so I think that you know that comes down to sort of mental resilience doesn't it it's not uh, that subjective sense of well-being is something we can cultivate um, at that psychological level that's having a huge impact on our physical health our risk of disease and our kind of long-term health. 
goodness, listen, I could, I could pick your brain all day, but I know we've got to, we've got to wrap things up. So, you know, loads of great insights here. Uh, I'm sure people have to listen back to, to be able to capture yeah. everything because that was, that was tremendous. <laughs> probably spoken really fast. No, no, that was fantastic. Maybe we part two. And <laughs> well, where, where can people stay connected with you? I mean, you got a fabulous book. It's actually just on my uh, nightstand there getting ready for the fall in terms of the immune system. Where can people stay connected with you and keep up with your uh, tremendous work? Oh, yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. So um, I'm Dr. Dr. underscore Jenna underscore Machocki, which is M-A-C-C-I-O-C-H-I. Um, uh, you can find me over on my website, which I try and keep updated. But I also have um, a monthly newsletter that comes out. I'm also on Twitter, sometimes being a bit more of an academic over there. Um, but yeah, always happy to hear from people. I have a book out. Um, trying to write a second one so. <laughs> <laughs> taking its toll well, but uh, say, yeah. <laughs> fantastic well, we'll definitely include all those links and again dr jenna thanks so much for for taking the time today oh thanks for having me it's been a pleasure thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode well listen if you have any questions love to hear from you reach out on facebook twitter or instagram at dr bubs use the hashtag peak 40 so we can find those questions easily and use them on a future episode And if you found this useful, please share with friends, colleagues, or anyone looking for peak 40 health and performance. The Dr. Bub's Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bub's Performance Podcasts.